Welcome to the Chorus Deep and Wide podcast. This is episode one with Drew Glosson. My name's Kevin Larson, and I'm lead pastor of Karis Church in Columbia, Missouri, and I'm excited today to launch this new bi-weekly podcast called Karis Deep and Wide. Why the title, first of all? I think it expresses so well my vision for this program. First, we will go deeper in the gospel together. We'll utilize an interview format where we'll explore the depths of what God has done for us in Christ, and we'll, of course, also explore its implications for all of our lives. Second, we'll go wider with our vision for church planning. We'll talk about what God is doing around the globe. We'll start with what God is doing in it through Chorus, but we won't limit ourselves to that at all. Well, it's that latter angle that we'll explore today. Drew Glosson, along with his wife Megumi and their little boy Takumi, as well as the baby on board, are about ready to board a plane and go to do church planting in Tokyo, Japan. I hope you enjoy this recent conversation I had with Drew. First of all, Drew, just tell us about your family and tell us about yourself. Tell us how you ended up in Karas Church. So I have a wife named Megumi who is from Japan. She was born and raised in Tokyo, Japan. And I'm from North Carolina in a little small town called Valdez. And uh, we have a kind of unique, crazy story about meeting up in Japan. And we have a little boy named Takumi. And we have our second son on his way. And uh, so... What's, what's your second son is going to be named? We don't know yet. <laughs> okay. It took us a long time to go with Takumi. Like, yeah, and what does Takumi mean? It means to go for fruitfully. Okay. So that fits. Literally, Man. like the week before he was born, we, we kind of were like, okay, let's pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it yeah. kind of fits with our, uh, we, we kind of named him according to kind of what our plan was moving forward um, since we're preparing to move forward and, and plant churches. It's a uh, Takumi. So the actual word for church plan in Japan is kyokai kaitaku. And so we took that taku and put it in the end, so takumi. So. so it has nothing to do with tacos, right? Nothing to do Contrary with to what some people have said. No. So how, how did you end up a part of our church? I think you have some brothers that are involved. What was the story there? Yeah, so I kind of come from a rough background in North Carolina. Kind of grew up in the church, but the Bible Belt kind of culture, um, just a lot of dark stuff in my past, a lot of sin, um, and kind of came to, to understand that, but from like a workspace mentality of I need to work hard and eventually, you know, God might forgive me, God might save me. And so in the midst of that, I ended up out in Bible college in rural Missouri, um, seeking to become a youth minister, kind of the way to pay the ultimate penance for that. And it was actually there at that Bible college that I became to truly understand the gospel, um, believe that you know it's not about the works that I do but it's about what Christ has done for us and so realizing that it's kind of set me free and set me on a different path and there in Bible college I met a guy from Japan who we became really good friends and he said why don't you come to Japan with me and I said man I don't know I've never been out of the country but through that um, ended up going and my whole world was 
changed and my eyes were sort of opened to see um, need in another place other than America and to see the gospel at work in a different culture than from America and it just kind of intrigued me and I, I went back time and time again and after three or four times um, I was in an earthquake in Japan and, and one of the northern rural parts and that earthquake really kind of solidified to me that the need that the Japanese have um, for the hope of the gospel so that kind of set us on the trajectory of that so I ended up back in Japan after that trying to minister the gospel to the Japanese as best I could but I had come from a background where I didn't really know what it meant to be part of a healthy local church and what church membership was really all about and how to lead kind of in a healthy capacity um, with those kind of understandings in the back of my head. So I left Bible college, just kind of this young, hotshot 20-year-old dude trying to make it in Japan. And, you know, God was gracious to us. You know, I I met my wife, and uh, because of him, I was able to, you know, make some headway for the gospel there, but definitely learned a lot of uh, hard lessons and learned that um, I needed to get some more training and, and learn how to lead better. So kind of in the midst of all that, we ended up coming back to America that kind of hit the reset button. And that was when we ended up getting plugged in the car. And it's largely because of the influence of my brothers who said, hey, you need to come visit us in Columbia, Missouri and uh, come check out this church we're at. And so we ended up doing that and sat down with the elders here and kind of shared our story with us and had some really hard conversations and were challenged in a lot of ways. Uh, me personally was challenged in a lot of ways that I'd never been challenged before about just kind of my vision and goals and, and values for ministry and, and what it means to lead. And felt like I needed that. And so we decided to, to stick around and just pray that God would grow us through that. And he has. And you, you interned with us for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started the uh, CARS internship back in 2012 and did that for two years and then got on the deacon track and became a deacon of tech and now we're on track to be sent back to Japan. What's what's that been like? What what have you learned? I mean, you made it through the internship without killing me, so that's an accomplishment. <laughs> what what did the internship do? How did you grow? Yeah, the internship was just immensely helpful in that one, it kind of solidified the understanding I needed of, of what it means to be a healthy member of church and what church leadership is really all about. And because I think maybe I had an idea of like putting leaders of the church and things on a pedestal and not really seeing them as equals, but different, with like different gifting and leadership and stuff like that. So glad I could help you with that. <laughs> yeah. So. All that helped, and of course, you know, given plenty of opportunities to lead in a safe environment where it was okay to screw up and make mistakes and kind of learn through that. And just being challenged to really kind of figure out what my gifting and calling was, but being, you know, pushed to to serve and lead in in capacities that I might not necessarily choose for myself. Um, And, yeah, just through all that, really grew a lot. And then also the, the leader labs where we learned how to preach and prepare sermons and things. It was very helpful just in developing a mentality of how to uh, share the gospel from from all passages of Scripture and how to just be expositional in my thinking. Great. Well, talk a little bit about what you love about Japan and also what the needs are there, because I don't think a lot of people realize just how much of a 
gospel need there is. But I'd love you to also just go off about how great Japan is because I share <laughs> a lot of that, but I want to hear it from you. I mean, I love Japan for so many reasons, but the, a lot of those reasons are also the same reasons why I don't like Japan. Um, Japan's very clean, very neat, very organized. Some of the best customer service I think you experience in the world. Uh, just so many good things about it. But those are the same things that kind of end up limiting the culture um, and making it hard to really kind of gain any ground there or, or see any, any changes happen, you know, specifically like, you know, gospel change taking place in, in people's hearts. Because everything conforms to a box, everything conforms to a system and a set of rules, and they don't like to kind of veer from that. And they have this big culture of conformity in Japan, which leads to a lot of organization, a lot of great structure, and things like that. But if you break the conformity, then you kind of break down the whole system. And so me naturally being a foreigner in Japan, I'm already kind of outside of the system and kind of break some of the, the norms. So learning to adjust to that and everything uh, was a bit of a challenge, but definitely I did. I, I just loved that. I think I'm kind of geared for that kind of mentality. I'm very much kind of OCD to some degree. And, you know, I, I like organization. I like systems. I like structure. I like things. And, and so some people go over and they have a really hard time kind of plugging into that. And like they want to push it back against everything, you know. And other people kind of like me, they get over there and they're like, oh, this is great. If I just follow along, you know, if everyone, like everything's smooth. As long as you, like as long as you sort your trash, nobody gets hurt, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They do have really strict trash sorting laws. Or rules, I guess. Um, but I love the food. A lot of people might disagree with that. but I like the food. <laughs> there's a lot of good food. There is definitely some exotic food there, but what place doesn't? And yeah, just the weather, the climate. I grew up in North Carolina with a divorced family. I spent half my life in the mountains with my mom and then like summers in the beach with my dad. So kind of grew up with that dichotomy. And that's one of the things I love about Japan is that it's very mountainous, but you're always close to the ocean. So I get to have both of those together. Mm-hmm. Also just love the public transportation there. Um, you don't have to own a car in Japan to be able to go pretty much anywhere in Japan. And so that's, that's just really nice. And there's some freedom in that. And it just promotes a healthier lifestyle too, I think. So. Yeah, if you ever go on a trip with Carlos and me, you will definitely see me getting giddy over the the trains, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like the trains as well. Talk a little bit about the state of the church there. You you said there's a need, but but more more specifically, what is the need over there? Yeah, the there's 130 million people um, that make up the population of Japan, and less than one percent of them are Christian. And so that kind of dwindles down to Tokyo, where we're going, is a city of 30 million people, still less than 1% Christian. And you're talking about less than 1,000 churches in Tokyo. So that's like one church for every 30,000 people or so. Just There's a lot of need to be met with that. And then the overall state of the church in Japan is, is very unhealthy and pretty dire, actually. Many, many churches are old and only getting older full of elderly people, not very many young people. There hasn't been a lot of mission in the church. There hasn't been a lot of promotion of evangelism, a lot of uh, training people up to be the second generation. You know, And that's a lot of what we've learned here at CARS is like the importance of, of training leaders, of working yourself out of a job, of like always, you know, thinking about 
what's next, what's to come. So there's so many churches in Japan that don't even have lead pastors because they were just so old and they passed away. And so many churches throughout Japan are dying. And a lot of that, uh, there's all kind of different reasons uh, that people point to. But, you know, there's a big wave from the 1950s missionary movement just after the war. And a lot of growth happened then, but the growth wasn't sustained and so that's kind of the results that we're reaping now is kind of do that. It's kind of sad. You can go to a conference and it just seems like a sea of gray, you know, with all the gray-haired old people. And not that, you know, I want to be cocky and just have a church full of young people, but, you know, we definitely need the newer generations to, to rise up and lead. So there's a massive need in Japan, we think, for, for churches to be planted, um, for just this healthy gospel-centered church planting movement to kind of begin to take root in Japan and to just help rejuvenate the the Christians that are already there, the missionaries that are already serving, and just train up a new generation of people to serve. Great. Well, when I first sat down with your brother Dan back a number of years ago, and he was talking to me about Japan, he had come back from there recently. I think I'm like a lot of people that I didn't really even have Japan on my radar in terms of being unreached. Why do you think that's the case with so many American evangelicals. They don't think about Japan. They may think of the Middle East. They might think of other places, even in Asia. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think a lot of people are always shocked when they hear that Japan is one of the largest unreached nations on the planet right now. I think a lot of that has to do with just how economically stable they are, how much, how similar they are to America. I mean, you, there's a McDonald's in every corner, just like there is here, things like that. And I think they just see Japan as, you know, like a first world country like America and just assume that, you know, because they've been so westernized and America's had so much influence in them that naturally the church is kind of filtered in there as well, you know, and taken over. So I think many people are shocked to, to kind of find that out, but it's really not the case at all. Um, the church has had a really hard time kind of taking root in Japan and, and seeing growth happen. So we've taken, I guess, four trips over there, right? Three with you and mm-hmm. one with your brother, Dan, leading it. And that's been really great. And, and our objective the whole time was not just to be tourists, although that was awesome, but we were trying to figure out who could we as a church work with. And then after you came on board, specifically how could Drew and Meg and whoever God would send with them, who could they work with? And so why don't you talk about the team that you're joining and why you're excited about that, why we're excited about that. And you could talk a little bit about what they're doing and some of the challenges that they're they're facing. Yeah, so we're going over to work with a guy named Yoshito Noguchi, who's a church planner in Fuchu, which is a small city within Tokyo. And um, he's been there for about four years now. And we're really excited to, to partner with him because he has the same vision that we have at CARS, which is to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. And, you know, we, in these trips, we've met a lot of great people, made a lot of great connections, but weren't really able to find anybody up to this point um, that was like-minded in the same vision and values that we had at CARS. And we met Yoshi just when he was kind of just getting off the ground and no one really knew about him. And somehow, by the grace of God, we got connected to him. And just having a conversation, it just felt like he was a member of CARS. Like, just exactly in line with the same things that we wanted to see happen, he wants to see happen there in Tokyo. So we're excited to 
to go over and partner with him um, and help him in his endeavors. Um, he is planting a church based off of the uh, Soma church planting model, which kind of started out in the Pacific Northwest, which is kind of the same thing we do at Caris. It's the idea of missional communities, small groups that are on mission for neighborhoods or affinities uh, within a city. And so in Tokyo right now, they have three missional communities uh, spread out through the area of Fuchu. And they gather on Sundays, just as we do here at Caris. And so we're excited to go over there and partner with them and, and really see that model as, as something that could be very effective. We've already seen a lot of fruit um, just begin to happen just in the, the past two years that he's really been taken off there. Um, Japan is extremely overworked. It's uh, just a really hard society. Um, aside from the overworked, there's a lot of like obligatory stuff for like hanging out with coworkers after work and going to play golf with people and things of like that so the Japanese are very busy and don't really have a whole lot of free time and so the idea of traditional church on a Sunday uh, just really eats into the free time that they have um, of a Sunday morning which is pretty much the only day that they get to like kind of rest and relax so the idea of doing that traditional and like everybody just comes on Sunday and goes out a lot turns a lot of people off and so the idea of missional communities is that we go to where they are, the workplace, the coffee shops, the neighbors next door, um, just seeking to befriend them, build relationships, and share the gospel with them in the hopes that they will come around, they will believe, and, and they'll desire to to gather with the family, with other believers, you know, often and always. Mm-hmm. What's your timeline then? By the end of June 2016. Let's turn then to talking about how we can help what are your big needs right now? What are ways that we can be praying for you and Meg? Yeah, so we've been traveling around um, sharing our, our vision for ministry in Japan um, and long-term goal of church planning there. And the thing we always tell people um, who we're talking to about supporting us is that we need prayer, we need encouragement, and we need support. And what I mean is we need people praying for us often and always. Japan is an extremely hard place to do ministry. Um, it's often been nicknamed as the missionary graveyard because missionaries only last three to five years there. And I used to be cocky and think, you know, that would be me. But here I am, been back in America for five years now serving. So we need a lot of prayer uh, that the Spirit would just work through us and that we would be humble and submit to the Spirit and trust that it's not the work that we do, but it's the work of the Spirit working through us uh, to, sh- to preach and proclaim the gospel throughout the nation of Japan. So we need lots of prayer. We also need encouragement. Because it is a hard place, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get beaten and downtrodden. It's easy for the enemy to attack. And so as we build relationships with people, we just want to stay in contact with one another and just be encouraged. One of the biggest times of discouragement in my previous time in Japan was when I was in the 2011 earthquake, tsunami, nuclear disaster we were there serving. We, we led a team up to do disaster relief two days after it happened. And I didn't have anyone contacting me to, to check and see if I was okay, to know how they could pray, to see what other ways they could do to help, except for my immediate family. And I was pretty discouraged by that. And we, we want to alleviate that this time. We're building a strong network of, of people behind us who are supporting and partnering with us. And the last thing is we just need financial support. Japan is just one of the most expensive countries in the world to live in. Tokyo is the most expensive city in the world, and it just costs a lot of financial resources to maintain life there and to just 
be on mission in the everyday stuff of life. And so we need partners to come and join with us and, and help us in those three things. Great. And where do people go to give? Do they throw it in the mail? Is there a website? What do we do? You can find all information about how to give for us, how to uh, partner with us in, in numerous ways, and all the ways that you can follow us on social media and things by going to our website, which is glosson.org, G-L-O-S-S-O-N.org. And you beat the brothers to that domain name, I guess. <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, I'm excited to send you guys there and going with you three times over there and having you as an intern. I have a lot of affection for you and I'm going to miss you a ton. But I also hope I get to go over there a bunch and I get to see your kids grow up anyhow. You know, if I ended up dying of a heart attack over there, you know, 30 years from now, that'd be okay. I mean, because I love the place too. And so I'm just excited to see what God will do and excited to get you over there. So anyway, thanks for taking the time, Drew. And we'll certainly be praying and doing everything we can to send you guys over there. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Cars Deep and Wide podcast. Next time, the man Donald Trump recently called a nasty man with no heart, Russell Moore. Don't miss the next episode.